0: from the capital of the commonwealth this is the sports huddle with bob black on 1061 espn we're also streaming live at espnrichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio radio app call in and talk with bob anytime at 327-0888 now here's bob black with the sports huddle on 1061 espn
1: justin burlander the new york mets ace now that max scherzer is gone is also leaving town he has been traded to the houston astros a place where he won a world series and a place that in the offseason wanted to give him only a one-year deal verlander goes to houston after signing a two-year 86 million dollar deal with the new york mets there's also a conditional option For a third year, if he pitches 140 innings next year, that scared a lot of teams off, but the Astros clearly know what they're getting in Justin Verlander. He has been their ace before, and he's going to be their ace again for another run. Jeff Passan on ESPN, breaking the announcement that Goochland's own Justin Verlander, the Old Dominion University product, from way way back in the day is heading back to the world series champion houston astros a team with which he led to a ring a season ago by winning the cy young and being there at the end for the astros when they knocked off my fighting Phils fills in six games to win the world series and then he bolted for seemingly greener pastures They were green only because the money was green. Other than that, it wasn't green. It was mud in New York, and he's gone. He's out, and he's going back to Houston to try and get them back to the promised land. We welcome you to the Sports Auto for a Tuesday afternoon. Bob Black with you here, hosting remotely. Yeah, a little extra pep in my step. In my voice today, I'm like a fish in water this afternoon, right? I love this. Major League Baseball, the trade deadline, it's on the clock. We are right on the clock with them. The deadline hits at 6 p.m. Eastern, right as we go off the air this afternoon. So if there are any 11th-hour deals to be made in the next hour and 55 minutes... We'll be keeping an eye on him for you throughout the course of the sports huddle this afternoon. The other reason I'm pepped up today, AJ is back. He's on the other side of the glass in the producer's booth. He'd be the first voice you'd hear if you dial us up to get on the air, 804-327-0888. Also, our text line, 327-0888. And look, what Buster only just said, if you were listening closely and intently, which we encourage you to do, To the Sports Center update, this is the one time of year when small sample size can go a long way. That's why Buster Olney and Jeff Passan are two of the best at what they do. ESPN, don't you dare ever get rid of those two guys. They are true journalist reporters. They dig. They have accurate information, and they present it in a way we all can believe and understand. Buster Olney and Jeff Passan up on my soapbox for just a moment for those two guys. Not that they need it, obviously. They certainly don't need any validation from me, but they are two of the best in the business. They work for our network ESPN, and I hope they continue to work for our network ESPN. But what Buster only said makes an awful lot of sense, particularly when it comes to a guy like Justin Verlander. Now, look, he's got a resume as long as the day is long, Obviously, multiple Cy Young Award winner, multiple World Series champion, certain Hall of Famer, still has a shot at 300 wins. He's 50 away from that mark. But in real time for the Houston Astros right now, obviously knowing what they had in him a season ago, uh, knowing his relationship already with the Astros, Dusty Baker, he's got a good relationship with the owner. This made an awful lot of sense, and the Astros are only a half a game back behind Texas in the American League West. The Rangers have made some moves, obviously getting Max Scherzer, but they've been spinning their wheels. They've lost three in a row, seven out of ten. The Astros are right there, a half a game back, and then the Angels are making a little bit of a move behind them at four and a half back. So they had to do something. And this is what they did. And in real time, Justin Verlander is about as good as you can get right now. If you go back to Verlander's last seven starts, this is all the way back to June 26. So this is more than a month now. This isn't really just a blip on the radar. I get it. It's still a small sample size compared to a 162-game season and a 20-year career or whatever he's already had. But in his last seven starts... In six of them, he's given up uh, three, two earned runs or less. That's pretty good, right? That's better than pretty good. And every one of them, he's gone at least five innings. And in almost all of them, even more than that. He's got his ERA down to 3.15, which is as low as it has been. You know, you got to go way back into May to find the last time his ERA was even lower than that, so they're getting a guy who's pitching his best baseball of the season right now, at 40 years of age. He's coming off the win over the Nats, in which he went five of a third, five hits, and one earned run. Um, he held the uh, hitless Yankees to two hits in six innings, the White Sox to three hits in eight innings, the Dodgers to two hits in five innings. So he's pitching his best baseball right now, and he's going back to Houston. And, of course, he now sets up the scenario of we could see Justin Verlander versus Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer for the Rangers, Justin Verlander for the Astros. As we come down the home stretch of the Major League Baseball season and the two frontrunners in the American League West could be facing off against one another after they've been teammates all season long. And oh, AJ, 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 I welcome you back to the program, and I'm really happy to have you back. So I, I really hate to pick on the Mets at this point, but the way they have absolutely unraveled this team with Scherzer and Verlander and Mark Hanna going to the Brewers and David Robertson, their closer, going to the Marlins. Oh, my goodness. What a mess are the Mets, my friend.
2: You you know what's funny is one of the last episodes I did with you, I'd said the Mets are going to shut it down and they're going to (laughs) just, man, I've never, ever seen anything like this. This is horrible. Like, this makes me go, why did we even like show up? The Mets should just eat ice cream in the parking lot for the rest of the year. (laughs)
1: Oh, that sounds really good. A little ice cream on a hot, warm summer day, the first day of August would be great. I mean, even the Nationals did this, you know, a couple of years ago when they dismantled what was a world championship team. So the Mets don't have a world championship in recent memory to bank on, whereas at least the Nationals had that and their fan base could live off of the well, World Series championship,
2: and they had their reasons. Like what? What are the Mets doing next year? I have buddies in New York who are like, "We're going for Shohei." I'm like, I don't see any. I don't. I don't know what we're doing. What? What? What are we trying to accomplish here?
1: Yeah, they're even giving the other teams a lot of the salaries of yeah. these players just to get them off their hands. To and do? They,
2: to do what? Farm? Are we gonna? Are we gonna pay attention to our farm again?
1: I guess so, because you're getting prospects who are probably a year or more away from playing at City Field in New York. And I, I really hate to do this, and I hate to, you know, kick you when you're no, down. I'll do
2: it, baby. It's, it's, and
1: you're not my only friend who's a Mets fan, so there, there are others out there. But, I mean, obviously Twitter or whatever you call it. By the way, I, I am not calling it X. It, it's Twitter, and it's going to stay Twitter. And I'm going to tweet. I'm not going to X. And Musk can do whatever he wants with my account. I don't really care. But anyway, Twitter's having a field day with this. There's a video going around from the Mets in spring training in which they were having just a little bit of fun. You know, spring training gets long, day in and day out. And they actually practiced their World Series victory celebration on the field one day. Like during batting practice down at spring training. And they had some fun with it. And now, obviously, somebody has that video. And it's making the rounds now on Twitter of Bob. the Mets. Jumping around on their field at spring training to practice. AJ, practice. I'm not talking about a
2: game. I'm talking about practice. Their World Series victory celebration. Bob, you know me to be a hard worker, earn it, earn it, earn I do. it. What I the Mets do. and the women's U.S. team has done to me in the last 24 hours has been very, very brutal. That is bad. That really is bad.
1: I feel for you. I really do. You're too good a guy to be put through the ringer like you've been put through with your Mets, and yes, with the women's. World Cup team, which you know I don't pay any attention to, especially at 3 o'clock in the morning, especially when it ends 0-0, zero to zero, especially when they should have lost if a ball doesn't hit a goalpost, and especially that they're dancing around after the game as if they just won the darn World Cup.
2: Uh-oh, we got another Mets trade. Really? What do we got? Yeah, they said, F- playing a position of fan, A.J. Resh is traded to the <laughs> Dodgers? What? What? <laughs> You'll love it out there. You already been out there. That's perfect. Those
1: stands are rough. I need to get there. I've never been to Dodger Stadium. That's one I want to get to before they build a new ballpark out there, which probably isn't happening anytime soon, so I probably have time. And then a buddy of mine on on Twitter, and, and he's one of the best baseball minds I know. He and I were broadcast partners here in Richmond in the old days of the Richmond Braves, the first three years of the Diamond. That's how far this dates back, like 1985, A6, and A7. And he's still broadcasting minor league games up in Hartford uh, for the double-A team up there that that comes to Richmond uh, during the course of the Eastern League season. Dan Lovallo, uh, one of my great friends and great baseball minds, as I said, and said, hey, in in the days of February when Mets fans were jubilant over a, a rotation that included Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, could you have imagined that both of them would be gone? by the trade deadline wow no no (laughs) you say begrudgingly kind of puts it into perspective wow um so this is the fun thing that's what i said i'm like a fish in water Today, uh, because the Major League Baseball trade deadline actually brings us stories and brings us headlines and brings us legitimate moves that are helping teams down the stretch here with about 60 games, a little less than 60 games now, to go in the regular season. You get a Verlander going to the Astros, you get Scherzer going to the Rangers. Uh, The Phillies made a deal today, they got involved, they got Michael Lorenzen from the Detroit Tigers as another starting pitcher Lorenzo was actually the Tigers all-star pitcher this year every team has to have at least one and by process of elimination I guess he was the Tigers all-star although he's had a good year gives him another right-handed pitcher at the back end of the starting rotation so they've made a deal the Braves got stronger again today Brad Hand the left-handed reliever coming over from Colorado I think he's played on just about every team in the major leagues. Now that's a good news, bad news scenario. Teams dump him. But if you're playing on every team, somebody wants you. So you must be doing something well. So they've gotten some help. Um, Tampa Bay has gotten a little bit of help as well. So this has been fun. And we will keep an eye on this thing. The Padres all of a sudden think they're back in this thing. So they went out and got a couple of guys from Pittsburgh today. Uh, Rich Hill, the left-handed pitcher. G-Man Choi, the first baseman. To help them so they think they're still in it um the Orioles have been kind of quiet even though they're in first place in the American League East uh they really haven't uh, gone out yet but they've got you know hour and 45 minutes to go before the trade deadline the bell rings at six o'clock so this is really a lot of fun not to mention the baseball on the field that I want to get to in a little bit as well and let me tell you exactly what we're going to get to on the
0: Tuesday sports huddle here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle this is the the river city rundown
1: river city rundown Rundown, brought to you by the richmond chapter of the american red cross during these hot summer months donating blood and volunteering is crucial to the success of the red cross to learn how you can help visit redcross.org All right, we're going to do a lot of baseball talk today and stay mainstreamed because that is the breaking story of the afternoon, and it's what this sports talk show host loves to talk about. Anyway, so there will be a lot of baseball talk, but beyond that, we're going to kind of steer off into a couple of different directions with our guests today, and I'm really kind of excited about it, and we'll be able to take a breath away from the baseball news of the day. At the bottom of the hour, Jermaine Farrell is going to join us, uh, sports guy at WXFR uh, in Roanoke, and Jermaine used to work at Channel 8 when Channel 8 used to have sports, So they made the wrong decision to eliminate sports, as did Channel 12. But Jermaine Farrell is now doing sports for the second time over because he's a a native out there uh, in Roanoke. And he was at the NASCAR race at Richmond Raceway on Sunday afternoon. And I happened to see his report. His station is a sister station of WRIC in Richmond. So they were able to use Jermaine's report uh, that he was feeding back to Roanoke and – played it also on channel eight in richmond good for them uh very good resource there and i happened to see his report on the news on monday morning i was watching channel eight news on monday morning i've gotten into this good habit not that all you need to know this or not but when uh, matt Donardo was on with us last year their weather guy i mentioned this i've gotten in the good habit of getting on the exercise bike here in the house around nine o'clock in the morning you know get on there for a half hour 35 minutes feel like i'm you know getting some exercise, sweating a little bit. And I've been putting the Channel 8 News on at 9 o'clock in the morning. They do a very good job with that 9 o'clock newscast. As I said, we've had Matt DiNardo, their weather guy, on to pick football games with us before. So anyway, uh, and Jermaine's report came on, and it spurred me to say, hey, let me get a hold of him, let's get him on, and let's get a perspective of what it was like out at Richmond Raceway for the Sunday uh, nascar race so jermaine's going to join us at 4 30 we'll get a wrap up on that and catch up on a few other things obviously they cover virginia tech Hokies getting set to go the acc released the preseason prognostications i'll get to them in a moment he covers high school football about as well out there as lane and sean do here in the rva so we'll talk with jermaine farrell coming up at the bottom of the hour uh this afternoon and then at 5.30, again, we're going to go kind of outside the box here. Um, we're going to go to Greenbrier in West Virginia. The Live Golf Tournament, yes, is coming to Greenbrier this weekend. Um, and we're going to talk uh, with a guy who works at Greenbrier about hosting this event for the Live Golf tournament coming up uh, this afternoon. Greg Furlong is his name, and he works at the Greenbrier, and he's going to be our guest at 5 30 this afternoon. Kind of give us a preview of what to expect this afternoon. He is the VP of Sales and Event Services for Greenbrier, and they're hosting it at the Old White, the first 18 hole golf course at the Greenbrier that dates back all the way to 1914. So you got all the history of the Greenbrier and this new fledgling, controversial golf tour, the Live Golf Tour. So that'll be an interesting conversation coming up at 530 as well. Time for us to get a break. More on the baseball, more on the ACC preseason poll that's out today, and more from you as well. 804-327-0888. Sports Huddle on a Tuesday afternoon, One
0: zero six one ESPN. Go Braves! The Braves are back from the all-star break and all eyes are on the postseason. season. How far can they go? Listen and find out with us here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves. 106.1 esp
1: Let's do a little rundown of the ACC preseason football poll that was released today. Of course, these polls don't mean much. They don't mean whatever. They're they're not worth what they're printed on unless they're printed on a laptop computer. Then that's a pretty, pretty kind of good thing. But if they're just printed on paper, they they really don't mean much. Uh, Clear favorite, although I thought it came down to two teams. Clemson and Florida State. And a lot of people think Florida State is back, back, as Matt Joseph was saying while he was at ACC Media Days last week down there in Charlotte. Well, they're not quite back, back, because Clemson's still the, I'd say, prohibitive, well, maybe not prohibitive favorite, but the favorite to finish first in the now no-division ACC. So Clemson got the number one nod, Florida State two. North Carolina 3, NC State. A lot of people are on NC State this year. They're 4, and Miami 5. Most of that makes pretty good sense to me. 6 through 10, Duke and Pitt tied at 6. Louisville 8. Let me get back to Louisville in a moment. Wake 9, and Syracuse 10. And That might be by process of elimination because the teams below Syracuse at 10 are pretty bad. And I hate to say that, Hokie fans and Cavalier fans, but you're kind of stuck with that. I know Tech's doing great things recruiting, but you're not going to um, feel the rewards of that for another year or so, at least. So Tech is 11th. Certainly, again, this is skewed because we don't have divisions anymore. But these have to be the lowest preseason picks for both of these teams. Can't get any lower than 14th, which is Virginia. The Cavaliers are last in the preseason poll. Uh, Boston College just above them at 13, Georgia Tech at 12, and the Hokies at 11. So kind of by process of elimination there, Syracuse wound up number 10 as a Syracuse grad. I looked at that sort of thing. I would like to think Wake Forest will be a little bit higher than 9, but they will have a a novice at quarterback. Uh, But I, I trust in Dave Clawson that they could be a little bit higher than that. I like what Duke is doing. Mike Elko, the ACC Coach of the Year in his first season last year. Pitt always seems to be hanging around. I'd love to hear from our guy Caesar to see what he thinks about Miami at number five. And I would tell you the one I think is a little bit low, and Matt and I had this conversation last week, is Louisville. Uh, I think they've got some pretty good pieces, number one, um, coming back. And then secondarily, their schedule lends itself to, I don't know, eight or nine wins, you know, on paper. Anyway, they do not play Clemson. They do not play Florida State. They do not play North Carolina. So right there, you're, you know, you got a shot. They go Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College as their first four games. If you're a Louisville fan, you would hope to be 4-0. and after those four games and then you know then you got to win some games you got nc state on the road in raleigh you get notre dame at home you go on the road to Pitt, then you get an off week and then their next three games after their bye week i'm a big duke fan for for personal reasons but that's at home for louisville after a bye week and it's their homecoming and then they get the Hokies and Cavaliers back to back On a Saturday and a Thursday, so there's a short week in there. But they're all at home. They literally don't leave – after they play at Pitt on October 14th, they're not on the road again until November 18th. So their schedule is really pretty kind. So I think Louisville could have been a little bit higher than than 8 in the poll, but kind of, you know, uh, picking hairs a little bit here. So anyway, there you go. That's the preseason poll. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, NC State, and Miami, the top five, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Virginia, the bottom five. We'll see about that. Just about all the FBS teams begin practices by tomorrow or Thursday. As I mentioned the other day, FCS just getting underway as well, or later in the week, Richmond opens its camp on Friday morning. Be out there at Robin Stadium to get a look at the guys for the first time for the fall campaign all right 427 on the sports huddle let's get a break in here on the other side we go racing we talk some nascar and some other sports maybe a little bit about the Hokie football team and that preseason prognostication of number 11 in the nation jermaine farrell will join us after the break he's the sports director at wfxr that's the fox affiliate in roanoke and the CW affiliate, WWCW, in Roanoke as well. And he was on site at Richmond Raceway Sunday, and he's going to join us for a little NASCAR talk next on the Sports Huddle.
0: In just five Saturdays, the Spiders return home when UR opens their 2023 season at Robin Stadium versus Morgan State at 6 p.m. Don't miss any of the action on your home for Spider Athletics all season. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Herman Allen.
1: Welcome back. Bob Black,
0: back with you.
1: Tuesday afternoon, Sports Huddle, 1061 ESPN. Here in the capital city, which just hosted the NASCAR race this past Sunday at Richmond Raceway. I want to go back and do a little recap of that, and touch on a couple of other sports with our good friend, the sports director there in Roanoke at WFXR on the Fox side, and WWCD on the CW, CW on the CW side in Roanoke. Jermaine Farrell, that's like alphabet soup there, Jermaine. Good you, afternoon. You know, How are a,
3: you? I'm doing good. It's a lot of letters you got to work with, you know. <laughs> I'm just, just letting you know I'm, I'm out here at a, a high school practice, a North Side a Vikings. Uh, class three team in in the Roanoke area. So, if you hear, I, I hopefully they won't say any four letter words while I'm on the phone. I, I, I was telling AJ I didn't want him to lose his license or his job, so <laughs> we got to make sure that we don't hear that. But no, it's a pleasure to be on on the show with you, Bob. You know I have nothing but respect for you, the voice of the Richmond Spiders of the legendary status. You know, so it's always wow. a joy, sir
1: back at you jermaine you're legendary as well roanoke richmond everywhere in between now wait a minute aj told me that you were out playing basketball not
3: working what's going on no 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 that's football i'm out here shooting football practice you know gotta 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 do the tv thing so yeah it's uh and you know we we preview a lot of schools on our friday night blitz show here in roanoke so we got we we cover over 60 high schools bob so it's uh to get to all of them and, and cover them and do them all justice. So it, it's fun and, you know, we enjoy it. But I tell you, Sunday, you, you mentioned a race. And when you look at the race as a whole, Bob, I mean, it was, you only had three cautions, but two of them were stage cautions. There was a caution at the end of lap, you know, lap 10. And, you know, Chris Buescher, you know, you're thinking, you know, those cautions pop up on a short track, you're in trouble. But for him to hang on and, and beat Chesfield native Danny Hamlin, was big time because, hey, he was below the cut line, Bob. He was below the cut line. And so anytime you get a win and you pop, you you lock a spot. But then it makes that bubble real tight around that cut line. So good job by Chris. But, yeah, inside the car, Bob, it's was 135 degrees in those cars. Woo. 135 degrees. It was they, hot they, inside those cars.
1: They don't put A.C. in those cars, do they, Jermaine?
3: No, it kind of probably messes up the. Day. No, yes, no AC in those bad no boys, AC But they enough. have like a. Yeah, they have like a suit that helps them. But yeah, I mean, and the thing is, by not having any caution, you know, you only have a three cautions. Makes it even tougher. But you know, those guys survive. So I give kudos to that. in in uh, those hot sub conditions, uh, to do well. But yeah, Chris Bush is now happy, and uh, now the guys that are below the cut line. I mean, it, it's it's going to be a tough deal, and. We'll see what happens. Yeah, this right was a this was a big deal.
1: Yeah, this is a big deal for Busher's first win of the year, first win at Richmond, and it, again it puts him into the into the playoffs. What was kind of the reaction to Denny Hamlin? I mean, some controversy has followed him a little bit, and yet here he is, as you said, in his backyard, in his hometown, Chesterfield's Denny Hamlin running second Sunday. Right,
3: and he got booed. I mean, I mean, yeah. he figured I figured there'd be some cheers, but he got booed. But I think it all stemmed from the race in Martinsville when him and uh, Chase Elliott got into it. He kind of crashed Chase Elliott a little bit. That really, because, you know, here's the thing. Chase Elliott's like the prince of NASCAR. I mean, you know, the most popular driver in NASCAR, and then you wreck him out at Martinsville. I mean, that's kind of where it all started, with the booing. And ever since, it's kind of like with NASCAR drivers and stuff. You know, once you are, you know, if you're, you're the one who wears the black hat, you're going to get booed, and a lot of the drivers embrace it. I mean, when Bubba Wallace gets booed, he embraces it. You know, Joey Logano, Kyle Busch, those drivers, they, I think they get a rush out of getting booed. I mean, it's, some, it's a strong reaction, and that's that's what it is about NASCAR fans, Bob, is you either like the driver or you hate the driver. I don't think there's ever a a gray area like, uh, I kind of like the driver, I don't. It's either you hate the driver, or you love the driver, and they're all you know brand-specific, you know, and – sponsor-specific and all that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's good for the sport, actually. Hate them or love them uh, and be passionate about it either way. And we've watched that, Jermaine and NASCAR, for for years and years and years now, which brings me to watching NASCAR, NASCAR, which is another reason I wanted to bring you on, because you were there Sunday. I had some thoughts and comments about this. This is unusual for Richmond to have this race in July, to have it in the daytime, to not have a race under the lights. How was kind of... You know, the crowd, and I'm not saying to quantify because I know NASCAR doesn't give out numbers on attendance, but just kind of the feel of the day at Richmond Raceway for something that was a little bit unusual for them rather than being on the cusp of the playoffs with the race or the first playoff race itself, being in the fall, being under the lights. Can you kind of compare and contrast what you felt and saw Sunday? I felt
3: that with this NASCAR race, I felt... The, the crowd. I mean, they had a decent crowd, but I think the the thing that probably hurts the attendance, it was definitely just the temperature. I mean, it was so hot out there. I mean, so you know, a lot of fans probably would have normally would have been there. I think the race is in a good spot because the thing is, like for us as broadcasters, I mean, anything that's in, you know September October it runs into college football and it runs into the high school. So you you want to be near the playoff cut line, but. You know, I think it's in a good spot. I mean, and and let's face facts, ratings drive the train, and, and a Saturday night race really hasn't done well on NASCAR. That's why, if you notice, there aren't a lot of Saturday night races. There used to be a bunch, but now, you know, there's only like a handful of... I don't think it's even a handful. That maybe, you know, like Martinsville, when they came back, I mean, they raced Saturday night, but then they moved it to Sunday afternoon because it was the fans, it was the TV ratings. But... It's just one of those things we just have to see how it goes and plays out. I kind of like where it is. I think it's in a good spot. And I think the Richmond folks, Lori Warren and the crew over at Richmond, I think they like where they are because, you know, it's still a big race. I mean, whether you're in the playoffs, I mean, if you're real close to the playoffs, like if you're like like they're the fifth race, you know, outside of uh, the playoffs, and every race leading up to it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and so this race right here is huge because when you look at it, like I said, you, you you got guys that are on the cut line. Some feel very comfortable getting into the playoffs, trying to point their way in. But if you have a bad week, I mean, you're going to be in some deep trouble. So that's really, you know, where the rubber meets the road when you look at that. Rick, I mean, Rick. I mean, Bob. Sorry, I was on. I was on uh, earlier with Rick Watson, the, the voice of the oh, rapper Highlanders this morning. Absolutely. So now there's. I'm sorry a- if we you, Rick.
1: No, no, that that I'll take that as a compliment. There is a legend yeah. in the valley down there. Out you there. Go. there is an absolute yeah, but, but legend yeah. down there for sure. For sure. Jermaine Farrell That's catching true. up with us this afternoon. Uh by the way, Jermaine, I love the sound effects in the background. This is classic. To hear the whistle blowing and the kids yelling. This is perfect sports talk radio. So we'll keep it going with you if you don't mind for a few moments. And and let me go there because you mentioned this to me on the phone the other day. There will be some crossover between high school football in the Roanoke area and the Richmond area. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, because in Richmond 5 – I mean Richmond – in Region 5C, Patrick Henry and William Fleming – they were in Region 5D, so the Ronald schools that were in, in Class 5 would travel up to Northern Virginia for the regional playoffs. And now you're lumped in with uh, some of the Richmond schools, and, and a couple of them I, I don't know off the top of my head, but I do know there's some Charlottesville area schools in Lisa County, which moved up to Class 5, which is huge, because they were a strong Class 4 team, and they moved to Class 5, and you got Albemarle uh, out of Charlottesville, and then you got some of the other Class 5 teams in the Richmond area. That So you add to the mix uh, Franklin County and our neck of the woods here in the Roanoke area, William Fleming and Patrick Henry, it makes travel much easier because, you know, going going from Roanoke up to Northern Virginia is about a, on a bus about four and a half, five hours. Yeah. So just imagine, I mean, with Richmond, you're dealing with a three-hour bus trip if you have to go there or if the Richmond schools have to come, you know, west, you know, you're looking at about a three-hour trip. So. You know, it, it's kind of a – but the way the the geography in our state is, I mean, the VHSL and the classification, you know, you, you try to lump everybody close by and it's not a perfect match because, you know, in our neck of the woods here in the western part of the state, there's only three Class 5 schools. In fact, Franklin County was Class 6 and they dropped down. So we only have three Class 5 schools, whereas, you know, in, in most, of, most of the classification in this part of the state, in the western part of the Roanoke area, are Class 3 schools. So you have a bunch of those, but uh, in in the Richmond area, I mean, you, you got a good mixture of, of Class Five, Class Four, class, class Three, got some Class Two in there, and then you go down to the Tidewater. It's the same thing. So it's it's really there might come a time where the VHSL might look at adding an extra classification because I mean, you look at a Highland Springs that that went up to Class Six, and you know, Coach Johnson, you you talk about one of the best coaches in the state. I mean, he is hands down one of the best, and there's some other great ones in the Richmond area. But to have the success he's had and to make that program, with Highland Springs over the years, they did have success. But it seems like, you know, Coach Johnson has taken that to another level. So, and, and moving up to Class Six, I think they can hold their own in Class Six. So, it'll be uh, interesting to see that and, and see how it goes. So, you know, football season here, the high schools are ready. Like I said, the ambiance that you're hearing, the natural sound of the, and they're wearing pads. They're <laughs> wearing the the shoulder pads, so you hear some popping hearing the helmets. That's what football is all about, and it's going to be even better and better once we get to August and, and to get into September and all that.
1: We uh, we can tell. How about you? Love the high school scene with it behind you and just the passion in your voice. That, that, that's awesome, Jermaine. When do they kick it off out there? What uh, uh, sometime in August, right? A little later in August, they'll start playing.
3: Yeah, the, the, well, the state the state they can start playing games on August twenty fourth. Okay. that's a Thursday and then you got Friday August 25th some teams play on August 26th on a Saturday so that that last weekend in August is when the season starts and you have 10 you have 11 weeks to complete 10 games so some teams will have a obviously have a bye week somewhere whether it's the first week of the season which is crazy or the last week of the season or somewhere in the middle or somewhere early mm-hmm. so you know and and I talked to coaches they really love the bye week in the middle Because here's the thing. If your bye week's the first week of the season, well, that doesn't do you any good. If it's the last week of the season, unless you're going into the playoffs, it helps you. a lot of coaches love it somewhere in the middle of their season.
1: Absolutely. Hey, last thought from you. Um, You got Virginia Tech right there in your backyard as well. ACC preseason poll comes out today. Hokies are 11th in that poll, and the Cavaliers are last in that poll what do you what do you make of that what are you feeling for virginia tech in year two of the brent pry era that will kick off in a month
3: well the biggest thing Bob, when you look at what virginia tech did last year were three and eight but there are like three games that if they win them they're going bowling or six five i mean the, the old dominion game the georgia tech game the miami game i mean penalties and just not making smart plays really hurt them and there were two games. They had 15 points. I mean, you're, you're not going to win a lot of games. You have 15 points. So the thing is, they weren't that far off. So now, and I think what helped Coach Pry is the fact he has another year under his belt now as a head coach. That first year, you don't know hardly what's going on as a head coach. But now you've gone through it, so now you know what to expect. And the, you know, the, the, things like class schedule, things like uh, you know, just knowing where to go and what to do, and, and setting things up. Now he's had a year under his belt, so now he knows, okay, this is what I have to do as a head coach. So it's going to be fun to see how he does it. I feel that if, if Virginia can get Virginia Tech can get to six wins, I think that's the, the benchmark. They want to get to a bowl game. And their schedule really isn't that tough because you avoid Florida State and Clemson, two teams that are they're, they're picked in the running for the ACC. As far as UVA is concerned, obviously with the tragedy they had, it's pretty sad, pretty tough. And I think you have to look at this season, not by wins or losses, but, you know, coming back from such a tragic event. And I think that, you know, there's the spirit is there. I think, you know, Tony Elliott, the same with Coach uh, Brett Fry, he understands being a head coach in year two and what to expect and what to do. So I, I think that's really the biggest thing when you look at this team and you look at what they're doing in uh, Charlottesville and in Blacksburg. And of course, I got to talk about your Richmond Spiders because. I'll tell you one thing: year in and year out, they're always in the mix. I mean, I know William and Mary, you know, good in the. And, that, and that, it's not even what is it? It's not the Colonial Air anymore. It's the. what is The, it coastal, the
1: coastal. The coastal athletic association.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you're still the CAA, but you know, um, and so I, I think it's going to be fun to see. You know, it's great. It's great in that part of the state. We have William and Mary and Richmond playing well and doing things and. It's always been a competitive game, and, and and you know what Mike London has done over the last few years, I mean, like I said, you, you look at, like, president you look at UVA's schedule real quick, going back to them, I mean, you start off at Tennessee, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a home game for Tennessee, then you you have your home to JMU, which got kind of, you know, jacked out of a bowl game, even though they, they should have done it, should have competed for the Sunbelt title, yep. then you, you go to Maryland which they were in the bowl, and then you come home against William & Mary, which not, that's not an easy – so your first four games, I think if you're if you're Virginia, if you can go two and two, which basically means you, you hope to win a G, home to JMU and home to William & Mary, that kind of puts you in a, in a pretty good spot down the line. But anything less than that is going to be real tough for them to turn that thing around. But, again, it's more about – it's bigger in football when you, when you talk about UVA and, and what they've gone through and – You know, I just couldn't imagine, you know, because every day it's going to impact them for the rest of their lives, not only when they play football, but off the field.
1: As uh, Tony Elliott said, Jermaine, they are not moving on. They will never move on, but they are moving forward. And I thought that summed it up really well on the Virginia front. And I think you've summed it up really well today as well to kind of wrap up NASCAR and get us going into football. So, look, thanks for the time. Go back out there and focus 100% on those kids and those high school guys out there. I know you'll have some great previews, and we'll look to cross paths somewhere during the football season, all right?
3: Well, here's the thing, Bob, just call me. You have a you know as far as I'm concerned, wherever you need me on the show, if you're really desperate for a guest, and you need to scrape the bottom of the pudding cup, I'm there for you. because <laughs> I, I know you you're big time, you can get big time guests, but it it's, I I it, I'm very humble that you would ask me to be on your show and I I think the last I was on the show was was for was Washington training camp when we did that live remote out there. I think that was the last time I was on your show, so it, it's been a win- we we can't we can't wait that long. We can't go what, 5 years between appearances so we have to make it more regular
1: so no pandemics in the middle this time and we will certainly catch up more frequently than we did last time jermaine thanks appreciate it buddy
3: it's always great to talk to the voice of your richmond spiders bob black b squared baby
1: man i wish i had his energy and his passion, Jermaine Farrell, sports director there at the Fox and CW stations in Roanoke. And, again, he was in town this past weekend for the NASCAR race at Richmond Raceway. What a fun guy he is and so passionate about the sports that uh, that he covers. Let's get a break in here, then we'll get you to the top of the hour. It's the sports huddle on a Tuesday afternoon. First day of August, we have flipped the calendar. i got to do that with my Phillies calendar on the wall here and flip it from uh, Kyle Schwarber, who was the July guy, to. Alec Bohm, who's the August guy, and he's hot right now as well. I hope that doesn't jinx him when I flip the calendar here during the commercial break, which happens now on 1061
0: ESPN. Mind. Follow the Atlanta Braves as they battle for a sixth straight division crown here on 1061 ESPN Richmond. don't even know if he knows that I called him out
1: earlier when I was running down the ACC preseason poll, Miami at the top five, and I said, I wonder what Caesar thinks about that. So we're going to find out. Hello, Caesar. How are you?
4: Hello, Bob. Good afternoon. And it's always great to talk to you about Miami football. Nothing wrong with that. Now, I did hear you and Matt chat last week, you know, about both your... Of Miami football and all that.
2: Get him, Caesar.
4: And <laughs> <laughs> your displeasures, but I think Miami will be better than last year. First off,
2: okay.
4: and I also agree with that. Was that uh, I think Matt interviewed, or you might have interviewed, that said Miami's one of six teams that could possibly be the third best team in ACC. So so I think I that was uh, that well.
1: I think that was Matt's interview with West Durham, actually the uh, primetime time voice of the ACC network. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Cees. You got yeah. about a minute here, so get me get so, me to your point okay. quick here. So
4: my, my 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 point is this: we never know. I don't, you know, the only team team that's been really consistent really is Pitt, other than than Clemson. You know, the only team consistent in the ACC right now. North Carolina shows good, and then they, they lose two or three games they're not supposed to lose. And Louisville is the same way. They win games they're not supposed to win. They beat FSU, and then they lose to somebody they're not supposed to lose. So the ACC is going to be a mixed bag, like you said. It's going to be real crazy. I think Miami can maybe be a third or fourth best team in the conference. I wouldn't
1: year. argue with that. I, I would agree with that.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I, would. Now, I, I
1: think I think the schedule is not in your favor, particularly when you got Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina and NC State uh, and uh, yep. three of the four on the road. So there there's your challenge, Caesar. But good teams meet those yep. challenges. Let's talk some more about it. Uh, as we have more time and we get closer to the start of the season. Didn't mean to rush you, Caesar, but the music's going and we got to go to the ESPN Sports Center update. Hurricanes open against Miami of Ohio. Miami against Miami on Friday evening, September 1st at 7 o'clock, down there at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh yeah, we are in football month now that we are into August. But it's also baseball time. We'll talk more about that. After the ESPN Sports Center update at 5, it's straight ahead on 1061 ESPN.
4: Pearson Moss at 9520 West Broad Street.